This day in sports history. It's February 27th, and on this day in 1987, the effects of the NCAA sanctions dropped two days earlier on the Southern Methodist football team started to come into focus. What happened on the 25th at SMU were sanctions handed down specifically on the football program. It is referred to as the death penalty, and it was a stiff penalty for sure. The 87 SMU football schedule was canceled. In 1988, they would only be allowed to play road games. Scholarships were stripped. It was a crippling blow, but these were not the first penalties handed down to SMU. Back in 1985, the NCAA handed down a two-year postseason bowl ban and stripped the program of 45 scholarships for a system of paying players. A group of boosters called the Naughty Nine was identified by the university as the chief offenders, and then the administrators kind of dusted their hands off. But the payments continued, as did the NCAA investigation. So here it is two days after the announcement, and SMU athletic and school administrators have had 48 hours to kind of survey the damage. And what they see is a landscape that does not have much viability after the sanctions are lifted after the 87 season. How do you field a team in 1988 with no home games, a limited schedule, and players heading for the doors as quickly as they can. It would take a few more months, but these same administrators would end up making the decision to cancel their 1988 season as well, meaning they would go two full years without fielding a football program. First, let's take a look at how they got here. Southern Methodist University is in Dallas, and in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, there was a lot of oil money, and Dallas was a growing metropolis. In 1978, the Mustangs doubled their ticket sales and home attendance for football games grew, but the product on the field wasn't great. So head coach Ron Meyer hit the recruiting trail and he started slipping recruits money. It started small, $20 here, $50 there, and then that continued to balloon to the point that Meyer and his assistants were later nicknamed Santa Claus because of the gifts they handed out. Then in 1979, Meyer struck gold luring running back Eric Dickerson to Dallas after he had already committed to Texas A&M. Now, how he did it and why Dickerson ultimately made the decision is still a mystery, but something happened to bring him to Dallas, and it wasn't altruism. The success the Mustangs had with Dickerson and running back Craig James as the so-called Pony Express brought eyeballs and scrutiny. In 1982, Bobby Collins took over as head coach, and the Mustangs ran through the season undefeated. But Collins was not quite the spotter of talent that Meyer and his staff had been, and the first crack was the recruitment of an offensive lineman from Pennsylvania who was given $5,000 to commit to SMU. But due to an injured knee suffered in high school, he only played a season for the Mustangs, and that player became the first witness for the NCAA in their burgeoning investigation into the Mustangs' football program. After the penalties in 85 were issued, another player came forward detailing the stipend that he had received. The walls started closing in. And then the program's fate was sealed during a television interview on local Dallas station WFAA, when athletic officials were cornered with evidence and came as close as you can to admitting, without saying the words, that payments had come directly from the football recruiting coordinator and continued after the initial postseason penalty was handed down in 85. And that cut the rope on the Sword of Damocles hanging over the program, 
and the NCAA issued their most severe penalty on the 25th. The initial reaction was shock and awe. Aftershocks of the penalty really started to ripple through the campus here two days later. Full releases were issued to all the players, and in 1987, there was not a player portal, and if you left a program, you had to set out a year unless you dropped to, say, Division I AA football or even Division II. But the release given to SMU players was unconditional, and they could go anywhere, Division I, AA, wherever, and not have to set out a year. School administrators questioned whether they could even put a team on the field in 1988 once the sanctions were lifted, and that led them to canceling that season as well. And it took a while to recover once they did start back up. They didn't win their first conference game until 1992, then the Southwest Conference splintered, and they were left out of the realignment that became the Big 12 Conference. They bounced around to the WAC and Conference USA, and it took two decades for SMU to return to a postseason bowl in 2009. Now, later this year, the Mustangs will join the Atlantic Coast Conference in July and start competing in football in a Power 5 conference and a return to the level of football at which they were playing in the 80s, just before the NCAA penalties wiped the Mustangs nearly off the map. Since then, the NCAA has not issued the death penalty against any other Division I program, Though, they tread in the same territory in 2015 with Syracuse's basketball program and the penalties issued there, and to head coach Jim Beheim, something that we'll talk about on the March 6th edition of This Dish. Also on this day, in 1960, the USA hockey team beat the Soviets in the Olympics. Now, this was nearly 20 years to the day before the miracle on ice, when the Americans beat the Russians 3-2. In 1960, there was not a gold medal game like there was in 1980. It was a tournament with a round-robin format. The Americans wrapped up their perfect 5-0 run through the round-robin with a 9-4 win over Czechoslovakia on the 28th to win the gold medal by virtue of beating everybody else. And in 1987, the movie Hoosiers, starring Gene Hackman and Dennis Hopper, was released in theaters. Just saying that makes me want to go run the picket fence. And here's a couple of interesting did-you-knows. Did you know that Sheb Woolley was also in that movie? Sheb not only sang about the one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people-eater, but he's also the voice behind the most famous scream in movie history. It's called the Wilhelm Scream, which still finds its way in the movies to this day. That's all for today. More tomorrow on This Day in Sports History. This has been an original Thrive Suite production.